The most immediate, most obvious revolution of the 1960s was announced in advance. Far in advance, courtesy of another world-changing piece of technology, developed for unfriendly purposes. The Vergeltungswaffe 2, or V-2 rocket, was the world's first long-range ballistic missile weapon. It was fired from Nazi-occupied Europe, reached an altitude of 100 kilometers, or more than 60 miles, and then fell at the end of its arc to detonate at more than 3,500 kilometers an hour. It delivered enormous destructive power and, for at least one intended victim, an unexpected message of optimism. In February 1945, while V-2 rockets pounded London, Flight Lieutenant Arthur C. Clarke, an RAF radar instructor, wrote a letter to Wireless World proposing the V-2 as a vehicle for research into the ionosphere, that invisible charged layer of atoms and molecules high above the stratosphere. Scientists knew it was there, knew why it was there, and knew why it was important in shortwave radio transmissions, but they knew nothing about it. But the V-2 inspired another possibility, a rocket that could reach a speed of 8 kilometers a second parallel to the Earth's surface, something the V-2 could not do, would, said Clark, continue to circle it forever in a closed circuit. It would become an artificial satellite. He then added, with an even bolder idea for the more remote future, perhaps half a century ahead, An artificial satellite at the correct distance from Earth would make one revolution every 24 hours. That is, it would remain stationary above the same spot and would be within optical range of nearly half the Earth's surface. Three repeater stations, 120 degrees apart in the correct orbit, would give television and microwave coverage to the entire planet. He apologetically added that this suggestion wasn't going to be of the slightest use to post-war planners. He signed himself not as an RAF officer, but as a member of the British Interplanetary Society. The V-2 rockets continued to drop warheads on London and other cities, arriving unannounced at speeds several times faster than sound, and Flight Lieutenant Clark continued to think ahead. In October 1945, he submitted to and published in Wireless World a four-page proposal for a true broadcasting service, giving constant field strength at all times over the whole globe, something that would be invaluable, not to say indispensable, in a world society. The problem at the time was that intercontinental telephone and radio signals could, though with no great certainty, be bounced off the ionosphere, but microwave transmission of television signals was effectively impossible via the ionosphere. Clark proposed a second moon at an orbit with a radius of 42,000 kilometers and a period of exactly 24 hours, an artificial moon that would never rise and never set, a satellite that could be fitted with receiving and transmitting equipment driven by solar power. In effect, he had described the modern satellite broadcasting station, although only in effect. Clark's solar power was a system of mirrors that would concentrate sunlight on the boiler of a low-pressure steam engine.
and his second moon would in fact be a space station provided with comfortable living quarters, laboratories, and everything needed for the comfort of its crew, who could be relieved and provisioned by a regular rocket service. This was before the invention of the transistor, before the photovoltaic cell, before the rediscovery of the fuel cell, before the first jet plane had gone into civilian service, before any rocket capable of accelerating to eight kilometers a second or faster. However great the initial expense, argued Clark, it would only be a fraction of that required for the world networks replaced and the running costs would be incomparably less.